Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Williams Project podcast. You're joined here with Matthew and Blair and today's topic is going to be all about how do we effectively project manage the builds that we do. I've actually, I've got a little ramble to go on before we start the topic, but it is relevant. So this morning, I was running a bit late uh, to this podcast I'm in Sydney, it's fucking beautiful this morning, like absolutely beautiful. And I was running a bit late, I was like, shit, 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 needed a coffee, went to use the coffee machine. Both of, it's like this big industrial coffee machine and both sides of it were out of water. And so I started half filling up one side and I got it like half fill enough for a coffee and I went to take it out of the water and put it back in the coffee machine. There was a little voice in my head and it was like, no, Matthew, you don't half do jobs. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I know voice, I don't. So then I filled the whole side up, put it there, turned on my coffee, filled the whole other side up and got the machine perfectly ready for the next person. And guess what? My coffee wasn't finished pouring by the time I'd done this exercise. So like it t- took me the same amount of time to do the job properly as to half-ass it. Just leave it empty for the next person. Yeah. <laughs> so this actually leads into a big percentage of project management is doing things properly. But that's not actually how I want to start the podcast. I think you and I have both been project managers, both for Williams Corporation and for other companies. Um I, I've been a project manager on the tools, so I've been a site supervisor. And I think project management is three pillars, right? The first pillar is competency. It doesn't matter how hard you work, it doesn't matter how many hours you put in. If you don't have a base competency of the industry, you're going to really struggle. And lots of people on the tools, I come from a working class sort of um, view of it because I worked on the tools roll their eyes at academics because academics know things in theory that don't work in practice and there was always big eye rolls when the architect came to the site etc etc so the first thing for you to be an effective project manager is to master your craft and your industry what books can you read on it what people can you take aside for a coffee can you go work on the site Um, What questions can you ask to build a better understanding? What courses can you take? How do you master your craft and your industry so you're a professional? The second pillar I see is an accurate program. If things aren't written down, it's just not going to happen. There needs to be a written accurate program. There's so many good systems now. You can easily find a system to put your written accurate program. And the third thing is regular communication. Hi John, I am just calling to confirm that you are doing the landscaping. You should be on site with about four guys. You started yesterday, you're finishing on Friday. Do you have everything you need to do your job and can you confirm that is actually what is happening? That would be, in a nutshell, those yeah, three pillars. Yeah, they're pretty good. I, I could probably actually expand on those three pillars, but I do 100% agree with them. I think with your first pillar, as far as mastering your industry, a lot of that is because, especially with what we do, development and construction, 
generally there won't be one trade on site that actually understands the entire process of the build. They'll usually know their piece of what they do. They should know generally what happens before and after them. But if you ask them what happens in two, three, four, five steps time or before them two, three, four, five steps, they'll either be missing massive amounts of information or just generally have no idea because they just always show up and do their particular role. So mm. it's like... But that should can, be mitigated by my point two of a written no, well, program. Well, what I was going to say about point two, I think you said have an accurate program. I think a lot of people think an accurate program relates to only dates. I think in project management, the most important thing about an accurate program is, one, obviously, yes, the dates. Two is actually making sure that everything that should be in the program is in the program. Yeah. And a lot of that, like we kind of have a program for the physical works on site and consenting, but then we actually sort of have other little micro programs to track things that can be missed to do with like subdivision works, getting the code of compliance documents, etc. Because you could have the most perfect program executed immaculately. And if you miss one inspection that you should have had, or you didn't lodge for one particular thing that you should have, you can have your job sit there for six months at the end, even though you did the construction absolutely perfectly. Mm. So as far as point two, it's have an accurate program, make sure that your program actually has everything required. Because most of the time in our career, when we've had issues on a build, it's not because it was late or delayed, it's because it just wasn't in there in the first place. Oh, and it's that's just, a really hard one to train because it's like, how do you know what you don't know? Yeah. And Until you've the, fucked it up a few times. Well, also, the other problem you have is urgency. So remember, what's the quote my father always says? Oh, do the things you can do because there's a hell of a lot of things you can't. <laughs> Bang on. Like, you, know, you and I know that off the back of our hand. It's what my father always used to say, do the things you can do. And... One part of project management, that is almost what the sign needs to be put up in front of every single project manager. I actually think that there would be one of the fundamental principles of project management. Because you're going to arrive to work, right? And every single fucking person is going to explain to you why they can't do the job they're paid to do in the time frame they've agreed to do it to the standard that everyone's agreed that it should be done, right? That's just going to be your default. And what you need to do is say, okay, Johnny, what can we do? <laughs> what can we do today? What can we do right now? What what can we do by lunchtime? And that what can we do, that changes the narrative because project management is problems. And when you're hit with a problem, you're, you should actually be able to contribute what can, what can we do you should be like, well, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. But let's say you're out of your depth a little bit and you're struggling. You ask the people involved, what can we do now? That's like what's quite interesting is I had one of the PMs in one of the cities come up to me the other day and do roll like, we love our trades, they work hard and it's a brutal industry and job. So I'm definitely not having a dig at the trades. This PM's like, God, Blair, the, the trades just need so much management. Like they're meant to be professionalists, don't understand why they can't just do their job and communicate. And I was like, you do realise if what you said was happening, you would not have a job, you would not be project managers. The reason why there is project managers in just about every industry to do with making a product is because no one can effectively coordinate a whole army of different people in a machine. Completely like agree. A, I was like, you are the conductor of the orchestra and you got to make sure that he's playing the violin when he should and he's playing the piano and he's playing the saxophone and they're all constantly going to try to do it the wrong time in the wrong way. 
And it's so not because they want to. It's because they just don't know. So sometimes to be good, you have to know what not to do. So let's now do a segment on what not to do as a project manager, right? So I would assume <laughs> what not to do would be never assume. <laughs> no, like, here we are, right? Never assume that the other party knows what you're thinking and knows what you expect and always communicate your thinking. Right? And so, it's also, I reckon my point then, if we just go one for one, is the times are gone where you can just be a phone call warrior or just be giving instructions on site, which you can still do, but you need to follow up in writing. And it's really painful because like, it does take a lot more time to then write those facts down and send emails and, or note it on your program, your whatever software you use for project management. But the amount of time it's just really useful when it's like, God, who did I ask to do that? Or when did they say they'll be finished? Or, oh, this has gone wrong. Who actually did that job? You need to have a written record and you'd be amazed how useful it is when you need it. That sigh of relief when you find that, that particular photo because you might have missed an engineer inspection, but you've got a photo of that steel in that correct place. And you're like, oh, thank God we took a photo and documented it. So it's kind oh, of like, can, like, you can't But that's what to do. I was going to do a whole section on what to do. I was trying to do what not to do. Oh, oh what uh, not yeah, to good do, point, you said, actually. You yeah, said, but what not to do is don't, be a, don't just be a phone warrior. You have to actually be more precise and thorough. Um, and then another what not to do is just go on site, bark orders, get in your car and leave. Look what I just wrote down. Hold on, I gotta move. Angry. <laughs> Do not lose your call. Like yeah. you are. Look, there are times where I lose my call in a calculated manner um, to specific individuals that I know can handle it to get an outcome. Normally, because they're individuals that are very close to me and they keep nagging me because they think they have a, a closer relationship than they should. And I get grumpy at them for that. But very rarely, oh, that's not quite true. Just try not to get angry. I know it's hard. but <laughs> I think it's more like uh, your job's easier on site if, one, you give accurate information so people gain your respect. So it's like, hey, you need to be here on Thursday because we've got the delivery Wednesday afternoon. If they arrive Thursday and your delivery didn't arrive and you didn't tell them, then they start to slowly lose respect for you the more time situations like that happen, which means the chance of them following your instructions goes down and down and down and down. Mm. Yeah. And what not to do as well is treat people like they're stupid, even if they're acting stupidly. No one likes to be talked down to, even a dumb person. <laughs> well, as you know, the problem dumb people, they don't realise they're dumb. It's everyone well, it's else. Like, <laughs> it's like Jacinda. She doesn't realise, but we all have to deal with it. Yeah, I um, talk down to her, to be fair. <laughs> That's an exception. No, you can't have exceptions. You have to follow the rule universally, even if I'll you're a socialist. Passive. I'll be passive-aggressive. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'll be even a socialist with a gun, we can't drop out higher capitalist standards. Yeah. But yes, you are right, though. You can't, you can't get angry and you can't talk down to people, even if you, like, especially construction. Like, the people that are listening to us that are in the industry... Everyone knows when you walk around a site or a finished job or someone says they've done their job, just the amount of freaking eye rolls that you can have in like a 10-minute space of just like, how can they think this is acceptable? I um, My cracking points to everyone listening 
food on a construction site. Like if I go into a house and see food scraps, it is just disgusting. Treat the house with the same respect you treat your own house. I will, I will yell if I see food scraps because it's just dirty and grubby and below our standards. Um, Mine's always been if someone uses the toilet. Because like oh, we, have toilet. On, we have portaloos on site for a reason. Yes, they're not that good. Well, they are good. They're as good as a portaloo can get, right? But <laughs> it's like that new toilet, that's not your toilet. That's the customer that's paid a lot of money and it's their right to use that toilet for the first time. Take the toilet's yours. virginity. Yeah. I like, I'm at the point I like fucking duct taping them down. But honestly, you'd get trades would rip the duct tape off and like have a big effort to remove the duct tape and the sign so they can use it. I remember we had one time, we had a trade. This was years ago, so don't worry. Um, anyone listening that's bought a house for us, this is decades ago. Well, it wasn't obviously, but it was a long time ago, a not even in the house or the city. But we had a contractor use the bath once in a new home. <laughs> Bullshit! Just filled up the bath and got in there. I actually remember that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's like, in what world is it like, yeah, fuck, work's going good today. Do you know what I need? I need to have a bath in this house that's nearly finished. Like, how do you project manage that situation? With so, a like, stick. if you are one of those people that are working on site, one, good on you, but two, please just be like a little bit less dumb in situations like that. Next step. What to do? Oh, do you have any more what not to do's? No, I think to summarise the what what not to do is just yell instructions, sort of don't follow up in um, emails and writing, sort of ha- always have an attitude when you're on site and you should never look down on people doing the work. You should actually treat them as an equal where it's I need you just as much as you need me versus mm. a lot of people assume the project manager sort of higher in the hierarchy where they get to command and bark orders versus Bang just on. being like, how do we collectively get this done and have a roundtable discussion? One more what not to do, eat on the phone while you're project managing. <laughs> we had that. Remember there was a project manager that would do that. Was it a pie? Just anyway, it doesn't matter oh, what I was going to say, having a pie right now would be so good. I oh, yeah, Blair's it. suffering a little bit. He got up at like 4am to go to the gym and he's got man flu. But I showed up. But I feel fucking amazing. Now, what? I shouldn't have put the Cindy dig in because we want we want the socialists to come on our side. We don't want to antagonise them. So, like, even though <coughs> I want to, like, just gently, gently, softly, softly bring them over to the moral side, which is capitalism. Anyway, what to do as a project manager... What I always found effective is creating accountability by involving the next person. So an example of that would be, hey Dave, you are the plasterer on this job. You've told me that you're going to be finished on Thursday. This is John. John is the painter. Him and five guys are going to be arrived on Friday. So can you make sure that everything's perfect, cleaned, ready for him to do his job Friday? And I've CC'd him in this email. So what you can do is you can create accountability for deadlines by involving the next person, right? And then the second thing of what to do, you need to lead by example. Like when you work, you should try and work harder than everyone else like let's say you need people to do long hours you should be doing longer hours than the hours you're asking them to do 
You can never ask someone to do more than what you are doing, in my opinion. I know there are leaders that can lead without doing that, but I've never been able to do it. So if you want people to present themselves better, you have to be presented better. If you want people to work longer hours, you have to work longer hours. If you want people to communicate accurately, you have to communicate accurately. Every single trait that you're asking of your people, you need to be doing at a higher standard than what you're asking of. That's good. I actually am a big believer in also setting, like, not weekly goals, but it kind of is that going, here's the overall program and schedule. What do we need to achieve by Friday to stay on schedule? And then how does that roughly look per trade day by day? And you kind of, depending on how tight your programs are, you need to explain to the trades how you came up with that schedule. You kind of say, yeah, this is where we need to be by Friday because half of them will just roll their eyes and be like, oh, that's great, but we know we can't do it. But if you go, am I correct? It takes you this many days to do insert job here for every two people you have on site. So if you have six staff here, you can do this many by Friday. Is that correct? And they go, oh, actually, no, that's correct. Or we might need one more person. Okay, do you have one more person? Okay, perfect. But you kind of have to go through trade by trade and explain to them the manpower required or the materials required, the timeframes required, and get their buy-in to say, actually, now you've explained like that, if we get an extra two people here, we could probably make Friday happen. If you just say this needs to be done by Friday, no one's going, not no one's going to do it, but I think people like getting some form of evidence as to how it can be achieved. And it also helps is when people go, oh, that's too tight, you then explain how to do it, then they do it, they kind of get that self-satisfaction of, we thought this was a bit tight, but then we did it. And they're always the first ones to be like, look how clever we are, how fast we did this job. And it's good for them to get the wins to then respect timelines. If they constantly just miss deadlines, miss deadlines, miss deadlines, why would they have an incentive to push their team to then just be let down after doing a really long week's worth of work? Oh, I completely agree with you. I, I, um, so the point you're saying is, if you have a phase that's, say, longer than two days, break it down into sub-phases. So, like, landscaping might be sub-base, boxing, planting, or something like that, right? And break things down into subtasks. And I actually think you need a celebration component where, say thank you to people. When the bricklayer finishes, message him, call him. Thank you, John, for completing your job as per our program. Like actually give people credit where credit's due for doing the work. A hundred percent. I think and it's also, also and it's quite hard to do as well. Like it's not hard no. to do as far as hard to give people appreciation, but it's like, like I said, generally as a PM, you're dealing with the problems, not everything's really good. Let's thank everyone. But it's also nice to be, just try remember as a project manager when something does actually go well and someone does hit your program, just maybe drop some pizzas off or whatever or buy them lunch or just ring, hey, it was a big week this week. I really appreciate you meeting your schedule. It's going to make next week much easier. Agreed. Completely agree. Not saying we're perfect at that either, but it's something everyone needs to get better at is just trying to focus on a little bit more gratitude and appreciation versus just what's going wrong. Um, And also with one other thing, like the tradesmen, just remember... Like Christchurch right now, how, how warm is it in the morning? Like oh, negative two? No, I've had the shit of Star Worker like 2 a.m. in the morning or 3, and it was just like absolutely pouring down. And I'm looking out the window, there's just rain just running down the windows. Yeah, so they're waking up, it's 
below dark. freezing. It's raining. It's dark. And they're working for months at a time in pretty rough conditions. So just remember to the, the, Ivy, the Ivy Tower people, the people that work in offices, right? Working as a tradesman on a site is hard. It's really hard. And do not ever, even if they make a mistake and they do something that, yes, in hindsight, could have been done better, always treat the working man with respect. Well, it treat everyone with respect, but especially someone that wakes up and goes and builds things with their hands. Do you remember that day where we were building those houses out in Hallswell and I had the inspection coming yeah, and it just started inspection. pissing down? <laughs> and we were just there in the rain, soaking wet, doing joist hangers. Didn't have raincoats because it, it wasn't meant to rain or we just didn't check. Yeah. We weren't really just, like that. Yeah, and you're just suffering. But we got it done, right? But yeah, just you have congratulate people for doing the job as expected and, and make sure you have a respect for the people out there. Like our guys, they wake up at two in the morning and have crane deliveries and there's so much good. And what we do is we take the, let's say 10% bad, 5% bad and cast that negativity over everyone when it isn't fair. And I'm guilty of doing that where... One person will make one mistake and make like everyone did it. Yeah, or it's the whole, like, if one person ruins your day in the morning, you've got to, like, somehow snap out of it and when you have your next phone call or conversation, realise that that person didn't ruin your day and they deserve to have you in a good mood, not a bad mood. Ben Cloak actually taught me, and Grant Cardone says the same, that when he's doing calls, because he's in the sales team, and he gets his teeth kicked in, he'll call a customer that he knows really likes him <laughs> and just ask them how their day is. Just no, because it, re- yeah, it resets, resets your yeah. mojo, right? So everyone needs a strategy where if something in life has really kicked your teeth in, how to reset your mojo, because there's no point being negative and grumpy all day. Yeah, that's a good summary, right? We probably have to wrap this up soon, so we actually got a meeting we'll have to leave this lovely warm office for. Oh, see? Right, the summary is project management is hard, Become an expert in your field, have a written program, follow up and make sure you communicate constantly. Don't be angry, don't be negative, don't talk down to people. Celebrate success and celebrate people winning. Sell people on the program and show them your thought methodology of how we can all get there as a team. And get out there and master your craft. Good? Good summary? Yeah, right. summary. So guys, you know there is a fee. Uh, We take time out of our day to provide value to you, the listener. If you took value from this podcast, please share it with one like-minded friend. Also, if you took value from this podcast, because I actually think this is a really good one, um, can you please rate the podcast if you haven't already? We're climbing a whole lot of charts and I'm loving it, but I think we can do better and we can get our message to more people. So we would appreciate if you rated this podcast. Thanks very much, guys. You're all legends and have a great day.